first year. After a big lunch at our favorite restaurant out in the country with my dad and uncle, we sat up in the perfect spot with the wind at our face. The day was perfect, the weather was crisp, cool, and everything was set for the perfect first year. We sat quietly for a long time. I might have even dozed off. The sun had just begun to set when we heard something rustle in the brush. We watched as a doe walked out onto the green field. I was getting ready to shoot when my dad told me to wait. He thought he saw something else. After waiting for just a little bit longer, a big mature buck walked out. We were both so excited, but I was also a little nervous. My dad helped me get the rifle ready. I aimed and it was my time to take the shot. I was still really excited, but couldn't help thinking about some other things. What if the gun kicked and hurt me? Or what if it was really loud? Or what if I missed that big buck? Would my dad be disappointed in me? This makes me think about Joshua in the Bible. He had a big job and some really big shoes to fill. We know about Moses and all the things he did. He had to do some really tough things while leading the Israelites as God had commanded him. And you know who had a front seat view to all those things? Joshua. So when Moses died and God told Joshua that he would replace Moses, I think Joshua was probably a little scared and nervous just like I was when everything was set for me to take that big buck. Joshua probably remembered those times that the Israelites got mad at Moses for things that happened in the wilderness. Even though Moses was just doing the right things, no one would want to go through those things. But you know what else Joshua saw? He saw Moses overcome his fears, and he did as God commanded. Joshua saw Moses be taken care of by God, and I'm sure that made Joshua feel good. God encouraged Joshua by saying he's strong and courageous. God reminded Joshua of the several times that we read about in the book of Joshua. God knew that Joshua needed extra reassurance that God would take care of him. You know what? It worked. Joshua was a great leader for the Israelites, and I know God is is proud of the hard worker Joshua was. Well, you might be wondering if I shot the big gun or hit the big buck. Well, yes and no. My dad encouraged me enough to shoot. We had practice, so I knew what I needed to do, even if it was nervous. So I took a shot, and I missed a big buck. But you know what? I feel good that I took that shot, even if I missed the buck. Even though I might have been a little nervous and a little scared, I still took the shot. I know that I've been taught what to do and have the love and support from my dad to do things that are just uncomfortable or that make me a little nervous. Just like Joshua had the love and support from God to be the next leader of the Israelites. I had the love and support from my dad to shoot the big gun at the the big buck. Joshua was a great leader for the Israelites and maybe one day I'll be a great hunter. old and brand new to the team when I clutched my bat and stepped into the batter's box for the very first time. I was terrified. You see, on the mound in front of me stood a 10-year-old giant. He was huge, and even worse, I had to stay put while he slung boulders at me as hard as he possibly could. It was like I was little old David and he was Goliath, except he had all the stones. First pitch, ball one. When David faced Goliath, he was determined. 
He was strong in his belief that God was with him. He was courageous to stand before a man that no other soldier wanted to face, while others laughed at him for his idea. He was confident when he looked at Goliath and said, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and strike you, and I will strike you down, as it tells us in 1 Samuel 17, verse 46. It reminds me of the story I heard about Babe Ruth's famous call shot. On October 1, 1932, Babe Ruth stepped up to the plate. The game was tied 4-4 to in the top of the fifth inning. The count was two balls and two strikes. Babe Ruth looked out, then pointed directly at center field. On the very next pitch, he crushed a home run deep into the center field seats. Babe Ruth had looked right into the eyes of his adversaries and told them exactly what he was going to do, just like David did to Goliath. But me, I was doing my best to have the courage to stay in place, just hoping I wouldn't get hit that day. Second pitch, strike one looking. Standing there in that box, I had plenty of chances to stop and quit. Each pitch was another test of my own courage and determination, kind of like Paul throughout the book of Acts. Think of all the chances that he had to turn and walk away. He was a new Christian and was put immediately to the test. Here I was, brand new to the team and brand new to kid pitch. I hadn't seen anything like this before, especially not this pitcher. Third pitch, ball two. I hung in there. I might have been frozen stiff, but I stayed watching and waiting for my time. Did Paul ever turn and walk away? No. In Acts 14, we read that Paul got stoned and dragged out of the city. He didn't quit. He stood there and kept batting. In Acts chapter 16, Paul was thrown in prison. What did he do? He converted the jailer. We read in Acts 18 and verses 9 and 10 where the Lord spoke to Paul, saying, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many people in this city who are my people. Paul had a coach telling him what to do and guiding him. He had an entire team around him supporting him. He stayed at the plate and kept batting. He escaped a riot, got arrested again, and survived a shipwreck. But he never stepped out of the box, just like me. Pitch four, ball three. As Christians, we have to be strong and courageous. I have to be strong enough to be a leader through my actions and choices at school each day. I have to be courageous to let my light shine when I may be the only one around. I have to stay in that batter's box without giving up, working and waiting. The only problem is we don't know when that pitch is coming. I don't know if I have to wait for the pitcher to catch someone stealing or if he's waiting for the right sign. I don't know if... I don't know if he'll throw me a fastball or a changeup, but I do know that I've got to be ready at all times. Pitch five, ball four. I walked. I didn't get a hit that inning, but I got on base. The devil will throw balls to trick me, but when I do get that perfect chance, that pitch straight down the middle, that's my time to swing with all I've got. That's when I show what I'm truly made of. I practice and prepare until the day I hit my home run, and I'm not talking about baseball. The day I hit my Christian home run, that's the day I head to heaven. That's when I play for the greatest coach there is for all eternity. James Earl Wadsworth was born on November 10, 1925. His home was in an area of Elmore County known as Possum Trot, just a skip and a jump away from Hopeville, Alabama. James served in the United States Army and was deployed to fight in World War II. At the young age of 19, James was captured by German forces and was held as a prisoner of war. German beatings with their guns against his back were commonplace. His initials inscribed upon his uniform spelled out J-E-W, which earned him the special care of attention from German war camp soldiers. 
Repeatedly, James explained to the Nazi soldiers that he was not a Jew, but his explanation did not seem to matter as they cracked his bones with more beatings. James was a believer in the power of God, and at many times he said that his faith kept him alive. He would say, I knew I was not going to die. I knew my God would carry me through. They said I'd starve to death and tell me to die, but I refused to give up. I watched many of my fellow U.S. Army brothers die at the hands of these evil men. Over time, one Nazi officer seemed to take a particular interest in James in a friendly way. He would ask questions about James's life and family back home in the U.S. You see, in his college days, the Nazi would travel to Possum Trot to pick up their locally famous sweet gum toothbrushes for his family back home in Germany. James' familiar southern accent and steadfastness through trial made the enemy officer taking a liking to him. And the Nazi told him one day to do all that he trusts and James would, all that he say, and James would get safely out of captivity. The officer instructed James to meet him by the river at midnight. The officer then led him out of camp, and the next day he was put on a train and weighed only 89 pounds. The train crew asked him what he'd like to eat. He chose peanut butter and chocolate. When he returned to the States, he was found to have stomach ulcers from stress and malnutrition, frostbite from having worn no shoes, and a fractured spine from the beatings. James rarely spoke of these events before his death at 89 years, but his wounds served as a constant reminder of all that he had suffered in the four months as a prisoner of war. If he ever did speak of these things, it was to say that God had a plan. God brought him home under the most unlikely circumstances. James served as an elder at the Wisconsin Church of Christ for decades. God had more for him to do than just die in a prison camp. James was my great-grandfather, and I had the privilege of living with him on this earth for the first six and a half years of my life. He was one of God's great men. His strength and courage reminded me of Joshua. He lived out Joshua 1.9, which says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. From being baptized at an early age to deployment at age 18 to prison camp at age 19 and to 70 years of faithful service, which Christ founded with his own blood. My, grand, my great-grandfather remained strong, courageous, and not afraid because he knew his God was with him. Through hardships and great happiness, he held on to his God. God told Joshua in Joshua 1.5, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This promise never changed for Moses, it never changed for Joshua, and it never changed for my great-grandfather. And it will forever be the same for each one of us if we follow the commands of our Lord. Circumstances, no matter how grim, cannot control our God or his plans for those who love him. He always finds a way to redeem his own. He can use anyone, Paul the murderer of Christians, the school bully, or even an evil government to accomplish his purpose. So just when you feel like hope is gone, don't forget that your God is mighty to save. His plan is perfect, and he knows your needs and loves you deeply. Redemption is coming if you remain faithful. event in the entire universe is the Iron Bowl. The football game played each year between the Auburn Tigers and the Alabama Crimson Tide. On the Saturday after Thanksgiving, the entire state of Alabama and sometimes the entire nation is focused either on Jordan-Hare Stadium, where the Tigers play, or Bryant-Denny Stadium, the home of the University of Alabama. 
No matter their record or ranking, these teams' entire season can be a success or failure simply by how the Iron Bowl turns out. I've been lucky enough to go to two Iron Bowls in my lifetime. Thankfully, both were in Auburn, where I was surrounded by, well, more friends than enemies. (laughs) The first one was in 2019. Alabama was ranked fifth in the country and favored to win, but Auburn played really hard. Auburn took the lead with a huge touchdown right in front of our seats with eight minutes left to play. But the game wasn't really over until Alabama missed a field goal attempt that would have tied the game with exactly two minutes left on the clock. Final score, Auburn 48, Alabama 45. It was an amazing experience, and my dad, my little brother, and I ran onto the field after the game and then went and rolled Tumor's Corner with about a million of our, well, friends. Fast forward to last November, my second Iron Bowl. Alabama was ranked third in the country and had only lost one game. Auburn, on the other hand, had struggled all season and came into the Iron Bowl without our starting quarterback. But as luck would have it, the, the Tigers were playing an outstanding game and went into the fourth quarter leading 10-0. to Then everything and everyone just started going crazy. There were so many plays that went Auburn's way and it looked like we were going to win. But with less than 30 seconds left, Alabama threw a huge touchdown pass to send the Iron Bowl into its first ever overtime. It was the most intense football game anyone in my family had ever seen. And eventually, Alabama won the game in the fourth overtime. Final score, Alabama 24, Auburn 22. Let's just say we avoided too much corner altogether. Now, I promise I'm not bringing up these two crazy Iron Bowls just to force you into reliving the highs and the lows of Auburn football. Instead, I want to use these games to illustrate an important point about strength and courage. Just after Moses died, God installed Joshua as the leader of the Israelites, God's chosen people. In Joshua 1 verse 9, God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. That's great advice for all of us, even today. There aren't many situations in life where being weak and scared will turn out better than being strong and courageous. But if you had stood up during last November's Iron Bowl and told the 87,000 people in Jordan-Hare Stadium to be strong and courageous, you would have absolutely been wasting your breath, even with the Alabama fans who would eventually go home happy. And if you had done the same thing in 2019, you would have gotten the same reaction even from the Auburn fans who would go home happy. No matter what team you were there to support, strength and courage were qualities that were impossible to have for one simple reason. No one knew the ending. Not one fan for either team knew how the game would end up. Strength and courage came easy to Auburn fans when the game ended in 2019, just as strength and courage came easy to Alabama fans when the game ended last year. But until then, it was an intense nail-biter and anything could have happened. Only when the outcome of the game was 100% secure would anyone in the stadium have been able to be strong and courageous. Even though he got his advice directly from God, I think Joshua would have felt the same way as the Iron Bowl crowds would have done if they were told to be strong and courageous. Joshua's mentor Moses, one of the greatest leaders in history, had just died, and God was tasking him with the difficult but important job of leading the Israelites to the Promised Land. The advice to be strong and courageous would have sounded wonderful in theory, but would have been difficult to achieve in reality. Thankfully, that statement was only part of the story, because just after God told Joshua to be strong and courageous, he also told them, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's how God got strength and courage from Joshua. He told them the ending. Joshua could be strong and courageous because he knew he would never be alone and that God would always be with him. 
Just like Joshua, we know the ending too. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And in John 16.33, Jesus said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Believing in God and obeying his commandments will be difficult, but we know that an eternal life in heaven awaits us in the end. We don't have to worry about the world because we belong to the one who overcame it. What a wonderful and gracious God we serve. He doesn't just say be strong and courageous. He tells us we can be strong and courageous because he will be with us wherever we go. He doesn't just say this world is going to be difficult. He tells us that his son had conquered the world and through him we can live in heaven. What a blessing it is to know, to know that no matter what team you root for on the football field, God makes the same, same ending available to all of us, including Alabama fans. Strong. When you think of someone who is strong, I think of people who do not give up on what they are doing, for they are immensely strong. But in today's perspective, that is usually not what comes to mind. What comes to mind is someone who possesses great physical strength. Mental strength is rarely viewed as important. People only look at the physical appearance. What matters to God is the heart and how strong you are mentally. It is a world of difference. You can be the strongest physical person known to man, but still slip up if you're mentally weak. Now, people like that take that trophy. Samson, he was the strongest man of his time, and he can fight a lion and win with ease, not even breaking a sweat. And Judges 14, verse 6 states, He tore a lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he was not strong mentally, for he commonly stole clothes, once even burned down an entire field just because he was angry. Samson, being weak, confessed to Delilah that he would lose his strength, that is, if his head was shaved. Judges 16, verse 15 and 17. While he slept, she cut, Samson, she cut Samson's hair, draining his strength and rendering helpless. Even though Samson was not the strongest mentally, Job was. One, one day, Satan came up to God, wanting to challenge Job's faith. Now, the rules were simple. Satan was allowed to do anything to Job as long as he did not kill him. So Satan did what he could. He killed his livestock, children were murdered, and his body was diseased. He was at his lowest of lows, in which he was never born. Even his wife told him to curse God and die. Job 2, verse 9. Now, how about Jesus, one of, one of his own disciples? Someone who walked and talked to Jesus daily. Someone who God himself chose to be one of his closest friends. Now, it sounds unlikely, right? One night, Jesus predicted to Peter that he would deny him three times. Just as Jesus predicted, three people asked him if he was a friend of Jesus. And Peter denied knowing Jesus every single time. Mark 14 Verse 27 through 31. Now, all these men fell short of God, and how do you feel when all these men fell short of God, and all these men felt hopeless? How do we feel when we are in these situations? Even I have felt hopeless. And back in middle school, I was pressured to be something I wasn't. I compromised my beliefs and hopes just in order to fit in. Just like the men above, I was mentally weak. But I had friends and family who loved me and supported me, and now I'm stronger. I learned from those experiences. So, what do you think happened to the men earlier? Well, just like me, their stories do not end there. Let me tell you about how these men conquered their failures and became courageous. Even when Samson had his strength drained, he did not give up, for God was still on his side, even though he fell into temptation. Samson was brought to the Philistine temple and had his eyes cut out, endured torture, shaming, and misery. Now, eventually, Samson's hair began to grow back, and soon he realized how strong he was getting. One day, the Philistines had a party at their temple, placed Samson in, in the center. 
Samson knew it was his time. This time, Samson asked God for strength to take revenge, and Samson gave it his all. With the power of God, he tore down the temple's beams and killed everyone in the temple, sacrificing himself, dying a hero. As for Job, his friends sat with him for seven days and seven nights and said nothing, just mourned with him, feeling hopeless. He had truly lost everything he once had, and the last thing to go was his hope. But Job stood his ground, thanked God for what he had given him, and never took God for granted. He never gave up on trusting God. Soon Satan realized what had, what had happened and went away. The Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Job 42, verse 10. Now finally, the rooster crowed, and Peter left sorrowful, for he had realized what just happened. He ran away from God, trying to hide his shame and misery, for he had sinned against Jesus. Even though Peter was at his low, God still welcomed him back. He became one of the greatest disciples, preaching the first sermon on the Pentecost, and was a leader of the early church. Even though it may seem like you are hopeless and mentally weak, there's always a redeeming quality in you. When Samson, putting his trust in God, when he was chained to a pillar, God restored the strength that he had lost. Job losing everything he had ever owned, and even his wife telling him to curse God and die, but he still stood his ground. God, but his trust in God, restored all that he had lost. And finally, Peter denying that he knew Jesus, eventually became one of the greatest disciples known to man. These examples and many others are given to us by God so we can learn. When we are mentally weak, there's always a redeeming quality in us. Here's a question. What's your biggest fear? Is it spiders, heights, the dark, lions, tigers, or bears? Oh my. But seriously, whatever it is, I'm sure that you have some sort of fear, whether it's big or small. When I was little, I was afraid of the dark. I couldn't even sleep without a nightlight most nights. But eventually, I got over that fear, and ironically, I sleep with a sleep mask every night. That might seem like such a little fear, but at the time, it felt astronomical. I sometimes wonder, why was I so afraid of such a small little thing? But sometimes fears can be really hard to deal with. But now I know that there are two choices. I can either give in to my fear and let it control me, or I can be courageous and push past my fear. These two responses to fear are mentioned, are mentioned in number 13. Twelve spies were sent out to scout out the land of Israel. Ten of the spies had one reaction, and the other two had a very different one. When the ten spies saw the high walls, giant men, and powerful cities, they came back afraid and wanted to go back to Egypt. Their bad reports spread throughout the whole camp until everyone knew what was in Israel. However, the other two spies came back with a very different report. They said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for surely we will overcome it. Numbers 13.30 Unfortunately for the nation of Israel, they listened to the report of the ten spies and became very afraid. And as a result, the people were punished by having to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So, you might be asking, what does this have to do with fear? Well, both groups of the scouts were influenced by fear. Each one reacted to it in very different ways. The group of ten spies let their fear control them, while the other two pushed through their fear through faith in God. 
You see, if you know the story, then you know that the two spies who had faith were Caleb and Joshua. Joshua and Caleb grew up knowing the will of the Lord. They didn't have any doubt in their mind that God would make, help them take the land. They believed wholeheartedly in God. However, the other spies did not have faith, and in turn were punished with the whole of Israel. As I mentioned, they were made to wander for 40 years. The only ones who were rewarded were the spies who had faith, Joshua and Caleb. Joshua was rewarded with leaving the tribe of Israel after Moses passed, while Caleb was given the region of Hebron. So, what does this mean? Well, I think it means that you can react to fear in two different ways. The right way and the wrong way. So what is this right way? Faith. Joshua had faith, which caused him to be victorious. Another example of Joshua having faith was after Moses died and he was appointed as the new leader of the Israelites. The Lord spoke to him and said, Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1.9 The angel told Joshua to be strong and to not be afraid. The angel also said that God would be with him. However, there is also a wrong way to react to fear. And that is by letting it control you. Don't let it. Even though it might seem really strong, it's not stronger than you. Push through. Bend, but don't break. No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. 1 Corinthians 10.13 Now while this is about temptation, I do believe that this applies to fear as well. God will be with you. Don't let your fear control you. Have faith in God and push through. But if I'm being really honest, I do have one secret fear. It's not really a fear of heights, spiders, or anything like that, but it is something that I struggle with every day. I'm afraid of being rejected by my friends. When I moved, I had to make new friends, which went well, but I'm secretly afraid that I'll lose them all if something goes wrong. I especially believed that before I was a Christian. I thought if I didn't have friends, I wouldn't have anyone. However... I learned that God was with me always and that I do have a Christian family. Once I realized that, I didn't feel so alone. I learned to push back against the fears of not being enough and the fears of losing everyone. However, my battle against fear is not done yet. It won't be until the return of Christ. So, I won't let it control me. I will bend and not break. God is with me and is with you. If God can help me with my fears, then he can definitely help you with yours. So, push through fear. You don't even have to push very hard, just as long as you do push. God will help you. Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go.